Our scripture this morning comes from the letter to the Romans, selected verses from the 14th and the 15th chapter. Listen for these words as I begin in the first verse of Romans chapter 14. I'm reading from the Inclusive Bible translation. Welcome those whose faith is weak. Don't argue with them. The opinions of people range from those who believe they may eat any sort of meat to those whose faith is so weak that they eat only vegetables. Those who eat everything must not despise those who abstain. The ones who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them all. Who are you to judge someone else's worker? It's for the employer to decide if the worker has succeeded or failed, and the worker will succeed, for our God has the power to make it so. One person considers one day more sacred than another, and another considers all of the days equally sacred, and both are equally certain of their own opinions. The person who observes special days does it for our God. Whoever eats meat does it for our God and gives thanks to our God. And whoever abstains does so for our God and gives thanks to our God. We don't live just for ourselves, nor do we die just for ourselves. While we live, we live for Christ Jesus, and when we die, we die for Christ Jesus. Both in life and in death, we belong to Christ Jesus. That's why Christ died and came to life again in order to reign supreme over both the living and the dead. So stop passing judgment on one another, but rather join me and we together will resolve not to be stumbling blocks or obstructions to one another. If your sister or brother or sibling is upset by what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Don't cause their downfall for whom Christ died by your eating. For the kingdom, the beloved community of God, is a matter not of eating or of drinking, but a matter of justice and of peace and of joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we all serve Christ this way, we will be pleasing to God and respected by our sisters and our brothers and our siblings. So accept and welcome one another as Christ has accepted and welcomed us all for the glory of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here's something that you need to hear. You have been created with the capacity for radical hospitality. We all have been created with the capacity for radical hospitality. We're created in God's image, and God is love, and God is radical hospitality. It may seem when we look at those around us or when we meet someone who we don't understand that radical hospitality isn't in their nature. And it's likely uncomfortable for all of us as putting others before ourselves so often is. 
You know, radical hospitality is one of my go-to phrases. It's one of my favorite phrases, as I'm sure many of you have noticed. I see hospitality as a theological value. It's the way that Jesus practiced hospitality. It was radical. It upset the status quo. I'm sure it felt like a paradox to some to to go against the flow and to bunk tradition and to reinterpret all of the rules. You know, sociology tells us that a system will produce what it has been designed to create. So systems that have been set in place in societies that focus on division and creating levels and uh, compartments of people, systems that value some people over others and judge some people and some ways of going about the world more than others, those systems are going to produce division and they're going to produce injustice and inequity. Those systems are going to produce divided societies. I wonder if perhaps the writer of this letter to the Romans was following the example that Jesus set and was attempting to create a system that produced justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, not just for some, but for all of creation. We don't live for ourselves and we don't die for ourselves. When we live, we live for God. And when we die, we die for God. We pray every single Sunday for the wisdom and discernment of the Holy Spirit to guide all of those who make decisions that impact the lives of others. That's everyone. None of our decisions are made in isolation. When we live, we live for the Lord. And when we die, we die for the Lord The decisions that we make impact more than just ourselves. They impact all of God's beloved community. Our scripture gives this example of eating and holy days and how they're celebrated. But couldn't we replace that with another thought or another issue? Like wearing masks right now during this global pandemic. We choose to wear masks when we're out in public as a means of care for the greater community. We're not wearing them because they're comfortable. We're not wearing them because they're the newest trend in fashion accessories for sure. I don't think that we're even wearing them necessarily because we're scared of getting sick ourselves. We're wearing a mask when we're out in public to protect other people from the germs that we have, that we may be putting out into the world. So that wearing a mask goes into that radical hospitality category. It goes into living for God and living for others. It goes in that good thing that we should all be doing right now. Those of us who are white are called to some of the most important work of our lives right now as we learn new ways of using our power and our privilege to create equity and justice, and as we work to unlearn some of the attitudes of white supremacy that we might not even know we've been holding on to. Learning to be actively anti-racist goes into that radical hospitality category. It goes into that living for God and living for others category. 
When we resolve not to be stumbling blocks or obstructions, we are making a decision to practice radical hospitality. Considering the impact of our words before we speak and using caution with the words we say is an expression of radical hospitality. Activist Francesca Ramsey is a black woman who hosts a podcast called Decoded, which is a really great anti-racism tool that I would encourage you to check out. In her podcast and in many of the episodes, she talks about how we judge our words. Words mean things. They can influence people in negative ways. And even if they're intended as a joke, there are consequences to the words that we say. She goes on to talk about the ways in which we police what others say and how we respond. She talks about how it's not really fair to complain about that thing we call political correctedness, how I should be able to say whatever I want whenever I want, and you should not be allowed to say whatever you want about what it is that I just said. And she looks plainly right into the camera and says plainly right into the microphone, that's not how free speech works. And I hear her say these things, and I want to put a theological lens on that. Friends, it's our job to promote and proclaim radical hospitality, and we use our words to do that. When we're promoting and proclaiming radical hospitality, our words matter. And when we choose to say things that are hurtful or divisive, that's being a stumbling block. That's being an obstruction. Maybe you've heard these words before, hate the sin but love the sinner. Hate the things that we disagree with and love everything else. It's okay to judge what it is that we see as sin in others, even if it isn't so much as sin as an opinion that differs from our own. How easy do you think it is to practice hating the sin and loving the sinner? Aside from the fact that the statement implies our judgment where we have no place to judge, how often do we really separate the sin from the sinner? How often do we imagine people as personification of what we see as their sins? It's often Way too often that we judge a person for their behavior or for their opinion, and then we cross them off our list completely. Sometimes we go even further, energized by our righteous disagreement, by separating ourselves from others as the ones who are doing right and everyone else is doing it wrong. You know, it's invigorating to put ourselves or our cause into the place of righteous opposition, but many times it just feeds into more judgment and more hostility towards one another. When we stop seeing one another as beloved children of God, when we stop seeing one another as bearers of God's divine image, when we turn others into the personification of what we perceive as their sin or of what we think they believe, we are completely missing the point. We belong to God. We all belong to God. No matter what, in life and in death, 
We belong to God. We don't belong to, to, to Methodist or to Lutheran or to Presbyterian or to Jewish or to Buddhist. We don't belong to conservative or liberal. We don't belong to Northern or Southern. We don't belong to native or immigrant or any other label that we would put on it, on ourselves or on others. No matter what, we belong to God. We all belong to God. And God is a part of every single relationship. Every face that we see is the face of a child of God, a face of someone who's created in God's image and bears God's divine image. And we are different and we are unique, but there is far more that unites us than divides us. The things that divide us and the things over which we disagree, the ways we separate ourselves, those are not things that we belong to. Those things cannot claim us. The good and the justice we choose to stand for or the opposition and the oppression and the unrighteousness we choose to stand against, those are not the things that keep us on our feet. It's God who empowers us to stand. It's God's grace that claims us all into the family of God. In the family of God, it doesn't matter what we eat. It doesn't matter which days we observe as holy days. It doesn't matter who we ordain or where or how we worship or what sacraments we choose or the ways in which we choose to judge one another. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be political or doctrinal or moral differences among us. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have thousands upon thousands of different ways of praying and worshiping and, and worldviews. But it does mean that our judgments have no place before God. Our judgments mean nothing. They're nothing because first and last, we belong to God. We pursue justice and work for good, not for our own sake or even for the sake of the church or even for the sake of what is right. We argue for right and we struggle for good because we are created for radical hospitality. So may all that we do be done in radical hospitality. May all that we say be said in radical hospitality. May all that we are be enveloped in this practice of radical hospitality, not just because we belong to God, but because in life and in death, we all, all creation, we all belong to God. May this be so. Amen.